0: Good evening, good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 294 together tonight. To begin, page 294, my
1: Savior's love. We'll sing verses 1, 4, and 5 to begin our service tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, And my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful, Is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love. For me, when with the ransoming glory his face I at last shall see, Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be how is my Savior's love for me.
0: Amen. Well, it is good to see each one of you here tonight. Our our oasis in the desert, amen. And uh, by the time we leave tonight, it's going to feel like the winter desert maybe out there. It's blowing in right now. But uh, glad that we can be in a warm building tonight, amen. As we begin, and I'm going to ask for the waters, if you would open us in prayer tonight, please. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Just a few uh, announcements for you before we get into our prayer list. Don't forget, men, on Friday morning, all right? I think I I counted today. As of right now, there's 27 signed up uh, on the list out there uh, to go over and eat at the uh, Golden Corral, 8 o'clock in the morning. So make sure that uh, you're playing. What did I say? Oh, Saturday. Yeah, I don't know why I said Friday. Saturday morning. Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. If You can go there Friday morning if you want. We just won't be there. So. Uh, but Saturday morning, 8 in the morning. Don't forget that. And there's uh, 27 of us signed up to go. So that's going to be a fun time. Amen? And uh, looking forward to the time of fellowship there and, and uh, breakfast together. And then also um, uh, headed over to the gun range for those that are going to be going over there. afterward. I think there's 16 or so going over there afterwards. So uh, make sure if you want to uh, sign up and uh, you can uh, join us there on Saturday morning. All right? And uh, uh, make sure you're praying for a pastor as he'll be traveling back tomorrow. Uh, I'll be flying back tomorrow. The flight comes in about, I think, 1.15 or so in the afternoon. So uh, be in prayer for them as they travel back. Um, And then, uh, of course, uh, prayer for uh, all the services coming on Sunday as well. Amen. Make sure that we're back here in our place Sunday morning. Let's go ahead and get our prayer list out and look at a few things there. Pastor had me update this today, so if I mess something up, I apologize, but I think I got it all straight. We had some to add and uh, some to take off that was a blessing for answered prayer, amen, and, uh, and so uh, then we've added a few on there. Uh, make sure, and of course, uh, keep uh, Miss Marie Christian in your prayers as uh, she's got an eye surgery coming up uh, on the 15th of May, correct, that's still on the schedule, all right, I know she's looking forward to that, getting that taken care of. And uh, be in prayer, of course, for Brother Will. Good to see him back again tonight and uh, still recovering. Uh, So make sure we keep uh, praying for his recovery as well. And then, of course, uh, Brother Jeff Glazeman. Sure appreciate the Glazemans. let me just tell you, um, being here uh, every day, all day, and watching uh, all the work he's doing over there, and his wife jumping in now and painting and everything, I'm telling you, they're a blessing. Uh, But be in prayer for him with his uh, eyes that uh, uh, the pressures there would go down and uh, won't have to have any surgery there. Um, is there anything else that uh, we need to add or take off tonight that uh, we need to be aware of? Anyone at all? Miss Marie? Yes. Okay. Amen. So there in the unspokens there at the bottom right, uh, there, we can take that off. Amen. Yes, Miss good oh good good but that's okay so Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Randall there uh, Phyllis Randall um, about uh, the fifth one up there in the right column from the bottom there um, had her heart procedure today and it went well so um, very thankful for that uh, so we can probably go ahead and change that to a recovery I would imagine there um, that, her recovery um, pretty smooth good good Okay, praise the Lord for that. Right above her, of course, her husband, uh, Brother David Randall, of course, if you don't know the Randalls, um, he was our assistant pastor here and a school supervisor for almost 39 years, and uh, and just uh, were a real blessing and faithful, faithful uh, servants of the Lord, and so um, be in prayer for, for them for sure. Yes, Mrs. Griffin. Yes. amen amen so joel wolf on our prayer list uh is uh home had his procedure and is doing well so we can probably go ahead and um pray for recovery on that as well yeah yeah absolutely okay yes Okay, the last name. Okay, so um, so that's Tony. Tr- is it, how, was it Trossel? Is that how you say his last name? Trossel? Okay, so we'll put that on there. Okay, so Melissa Trossel and a little baby, Will, not Brother Will. He just knows them and happens to have the same name. So don't get confused. (laughs) T-R-O-X-E-L, Troxel. Troxel, yeah. And uh, having some heart complications, I guess is what. Blood transfusions and... And how old is the baby? Two months old. Okay. Anyone else? Yes, Ms. McCray. Yes. yeah okay okay so continued prayers for KJ Cooper Um, he's about the second one down on the right hand column there under health Um, he's now three years old so we'll get that updated Um, but still having the seizures but not as many but still pretty serious so keep him in your prayers for sure for the water (laughs) would you spell it for me She said she's 23? 21. Yeah, that's, yeah, very. Okay. Anyone else tonight? Anyone? Brother Gary uh, Clark. Put him on the prayer list for sure. Sorry to hear that. Anyone else tonight? Okay, we'll go ahead and have the men come if they would, please, and, uh, we will pray for these things and continue to pray, if you would, for all of, just all of the remodel things that are going on, uh, there's just a lot of projects going on that, uh, Wise decisions will be made, and that the Lord will continue to work in those areas too. Amen. And uh, so appreciate that. Brother Rich Raymer, would you pray for us tonight, please? You Ladies, would you stand with me one last time? Let's turn to page 424. Have faith in God. Amen? Page 424. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4
1: for our last song together tonight. Sing it out on that first verse. Have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children Have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God, he's on his throne. Have faith in God, he watches o'er his own. He cannot fail, he must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God have faith in god in your pain and your sorrow his heart is touched with your grief and despair cast all your cares and your burdens upon him and leave them there oh leave them there have faith in god he's on his throne have faith in god he watches o'er his own He cannot fail, he must prevail, have faith in God, have faith in God. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you, have faith in God, he provides for his own, he cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish, he rules and reigns upon his throne. Have faith in God, He's on His throne. Have faith in God, He watches o'er His own. He cannot fail, He must prevail. Have faith in God, have faith in God.
0: Amen. Great singing tonight. I'm going to ask if you'd remain standing, go ahead and get your Bibles
2: ready. ready for the message tonight, please. Alright, we're gonna be in First Peter chapter four. I feel like we've covered about half the book just in the past few months here, and about a year and a half or so uh, previous to that. So 1 Peter chapter 4. We're finishing up the second major section of the book of 1 Peter uh, this evening. And so this is kind of a transition passage in between that second major section and the third ma- or the last major section. And so we're going to be dealing with that some this evening. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another." as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for the time you've given us here this evening. I pray you bless the message that uh, your spirit would have liberty and above all you'd be glorified I ask all this in Jesus name amen you may be seated thank you for standing well <clears throat> the sections of the book of peter kind of the major thoughts those major sections are fairly divided equally among three major sections of peter if you'll remember, the first section dealt with the greatness of our salvation. Uh, and, and the greatness of our salvation it's, and its direct correlation to the work and word of God. You remember chapter 1? I'd love to go back to chapter 1. There are some great truths there. But we won't go back just for time's sake. But in verses 10 through 12 of chapter 1, where he talks about the Old Testament, Old Testament prophets how they didn't even fully understand what they were writing and prophesying about wasn't just to or for them, but in a greater sense was for us. He even goes so far as to say that the angels who, remember, view this life from God's perspective still don't even fully understand our redemption. That's how great salvation is. This second section has dealt primarily with God's requirements on us as witnesses, Regardless of our suffering or our life's circumstances, we can and must submit to earthly authority so long as that authority is within the bounds placed upon it by God. And even when that authority is causing great suffering and persecution, we can and must act as witnesses of the grace and goodness of God. We are no longer bound by sin, though we are certainly still bound by this flesh. Therefore, we can, through Christ's strength, choose not to serve sin in our dealings with the lost. As we finish out this section, Peter turns his attention to our relationships with one another in the body of Christ and ultimately how those relationships should look in light of Christ's dominion and authority. Of course, we talked a lot about that in, uh, towards the end of chapter 3 how that Christ has been given, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he has all dominion and authority and power. And so in light of that, we should act towards one another how Christ would want us to act. I think we'll see here, these five verses constitute basic, easy-to-understand commands for every believer. But doesn't it seem like sometimes the most basic of commands are the hardest to follow? but we'll also see in verses 10 and 11 that we can follow them because ultimately it is God who gives us the ability to. So let's look at verse 7. He says, But the end of all things is at hand. Now remember that this letter is eschatological in nature. If you remember, that's a, a big long word, the theological term that has to do with the end times. The, that uh, parts of the New Testament, we look at First and Second Thessalonians and and uh, first and second Peter, and of course Revelation, and other passages throughout uh, the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, thinking of, of Daniel in particular, and other places where the end times are viewed, or, or prophesied on, or, or whatever talked about in those particular passages. And so this kind of one of the overarching themes of this book has to do with eschatology. And not so much primarily dealing with end time events but it very much has to do with how we as followers of Christ should live our day-to-day lives with that final day in mind. You might say, but he wrote this close to 2,000 years ago, and the world still spins like it did when he was alive. Uh, the, the, The church is still going on, and there's still persecution, and there's still suffering, and all of those things are still going on, much like they were when Peter wrote this. But you have to remember that this really has been the attitude and should be the attitude of the church since Peter's day. As the Word of God makes clear, we are and have been in the last time since the Apostles' time. We can read the same terminology terminology in John's letters. Uh, There's nothing that needs to be accomplished for Christ's return. Uh, One of the things that, that you'll hear me say a lot when it comes to these end time events... I got it from one of my Bible college professors, Doctor House. Uh, his big word was imminent. Imminent. The return of Christ is imminent. It could happen at any time. And someone might say, "Well, yeah, but I mean that they've been saying that for for uh, centuries now, and it has been true the entire time. There is nothing else on God's timeline that needs to to happen for Christ to return." <clears throat> But the knowledge that we we are in the last days should affect how we live our lives each and every day. With that in mind, he says, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. As a follower of Christ, we really should learn to approach any situation maturely and reasonably. We shouldn't be pushed back and forth with every emotion that comes along or with every little argument that we hear. Uh, In fact, if you remember back in chapter 1, he also talked about to, to be sober, how that holiness starts inside, and it works its way out. It has to do with our mindset primarily. And so he's kind of talking about the same thing here again, that we need to live our lives soberly, which would have to do with not being pushed around and not being uh, 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 back and forth and, or even what, what a lot of times you'll hear today is, well, I just had a gut feeling. Well, sometimes maybe that gut feeling is the Holy Spirit trying to tell us something, trying to show us something. But more often than not, I'd say our gut feelings are probably just lying to us like our feelings often do. So you need to live maturely. Uh, you need to live holy. You need to live righteously, to be, and to do all that, you must be sober. And he says this, and watch unto prayer. Ultimately, we need to live that way so that we can pray intelligently. The most lacking part, I think we could say, of just about any Christian's life is prayer. What's your first response when something bad happens? What's your first response when you come into a situation you don't know how to deal with? We probably ought to be honest, honest with ourselves. Our first response usually isn't prayer. The most basic of commands is one we fail at every day. But he doesn't stop there. He says in verse 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Oh, that's that agape love that Paul Uh, That Paul talks about even. Our pastor has mentioned that before in in going through Ephesians and also in uh, Romans, how that this love is the love that God has towards us. It's unfailing, it's sacrificial, and in fact, he adds that term fervent. He says there in uh, verse 8, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves to love earnestly, love that abounds And that love should abound so much that the issues that could cause irritation and strife tend to be covered over. Look at this in verse 8. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We might think about, of course, Proverbs also says much the same thing. Now I'm going to clear off a little spot here. This does not mean that church should be a haven for those who live in sin and won't get it right. Uh, you'll never find in the Word of God that we need to kind of gloss over, cover over sins and issues and things like that and just kind of act like as if they're not there. And yet there are churches who do that. Uh, It's a serious problem in churches where abuse and other wrongs are covered up and glossed over. Uh, I'm sure most of in this room, if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably either been around situations like that or heard of situations where uh, even serious sexual sins or things like that are just kind of ignored, uh, covered up. They kind of you know, hide it under the rug and, and just privately deal with it and, and not even really deal with it, just kind of move on as if nothing ever happened. And so many times the justification is, well, we don't want to be a bad testimony to the world around us or, well, we just need to forgive and show love. And there are hundreds, nay, thousands of people in our world today and who have lived Uh, come through churches over the centuries who've dealt with those kind of situations, who've been seriously, seriously hurt, and a church that turns a blind eye that says, well, we just need to forgive and forget, and never really dealing with the person who did wrong to begin with. I'm here to tell you that we as a church should be able, and we should show love and forgive, but there is nothing loving about covering up wrongs that need to be dealt with. A short-sighted attempt not to be a bad testimony is in reality just trying to save face and will eventually lead to, even, to an even worse loss of testimony later on. Uh, when the scripture is talking about a love covering a multitude of sins, it's talking about the love that we have for one another in Christ helps us to recognize that we are all sinners and we are all in need of a little grace sometimes. We can overlook quirks and annoyances for the cause of Christ. Those who have been told by the world that they are unlovable should be able to come to this place and find an abundance of love, fervent, earnest love. And to bring that love from concept to reality, Peter shows us how that should look. In verse 9, he says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. That fervent charity we should have toward one another shows up in doing things for one another without complaining. It shows up in helping one another and providing and caring for one another. I mean, that doesn't mean that we should just always drop whatever we're doing every time that someone says, hey, I need your help on something. But it it should look something like, if there's a way I can help, let me know and I will be glad to help. Is there any way that I can be a blessing to you today? I know you're going through this situation, you're dealing with these things. What pardon me, what can I do uh, to be there for you or or even it not even doesn't even have to be these big grand sweeping gestures, but even such small things as taking care of of mail for people or or helping out in little ways. We see that a lot in a new couple that has a baby and the ladies all start talking, "Okay, well, who let's get, you know, won't uh, usually Miss Phyllis or my wife or, or Mrs. Stewart or one of the uh, staff ladies usually will just coordinate. Okay, and you can bring a meal here and you can bring a meal here. That's the kind of things that love has to do with. But it doesn't involve grumbling about it later on. It doesn't have to do with, uh, if I have to, I'll do it. That kind of attitude only results in rebellion against God and really it serves to push out things like thanksgiving and contentedness and faith. I had other things I wanted to do but now I have to help with this when really our attitude should be Lord, thank you for giving me the ability to help this way. I know that this person needs help. They'll receive a blessing from it and ultimately God will bless us for it so I'm glad to help in any way I can. And then in verse 10, we need to use our spiritual gifts for one another and to the glory of God. He says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Our fervent love for one another also finds expression in the use of our spiritual gifts. Now when he says, As as every man hath received the gift... He's not talking about salvation. I mean, he's already dealt with that throughout the book. But the gift specifically he's talking about here is the spiritual gifts. It's it's an an indefinite term having to do with the spiritual gifts that God empowers us with. In fact, we can even say we can even see that he says even so minister the same one to another. And we're not ministering salvation to each other, but we are ministering to each other to To the edification of the body, of course we see that in Ephesians chapter 4, I won't go into all that, but that those spiritual gifts, the way that God empowers us to work in this church has to do with edifying one another and glorifying God. So here's some truths I'd like to draw out of these two verses that every church member, I believe, needs to take to heart. Every Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift. If you're saved, you have a spiritual gift. In fact, I would say probably each Christian almost assuredly has more than one spiritual gift. These spiritual gifts would have to do with the working of the church, certainly, but they are not limited to the uh, outward type things, the the stuff that's in front of everyone necessarily. Why don't you turn to Matthew 25 real quick. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. I meant to have this marked in my Bible already and I forgot. Matthew 25, of course some of you probably already know where we're going with this. I just want to kind of uh, deal with the parable of the good steward and the parable of the bad steward. So in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Now these talents, the word translated talent there, would have to do with a piece of money. Uh, it it, It was money, but the point of this Account is not so much the money as it is. In fact, I love that the word is talent there, having to do with, with uh, a talent as a form of money, but that today the word talent more often than not means our talents, our abilities, the things that we can do that we have skill at, which I think really is more Jesus' point here. So he says there in verse Uh, Sixteen. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now I want, to, want you to notice here the response to the servant that had five talents and the servant that had two talents, though we would say, well, there's a, a big difference between having five talents and two, ta- two talents, but the response from their Lord is the same. Because simply that they profited, that they used their talents like he expected them to. Uh, it's not like he looked at the guy that earned two talents and said, well, you should have got done more to catch up with the other guy. He's at ten now. That's, way more. That's not at all what, what the Lord said. He simply said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Uh, His excuse was that, well, Master, I know, I know how great of a businessman you are. I know what your expectations are. And I'm just not convinced. Ultimately, really, what he's trying to say is, I don't think I could have handled this. I probably would have lost the money. I probably would have bungled it up, and then you'd be out that talent. So I wanted to do the safe thing, And I hid that talent in the earth, and and I didn't uh, take it to the market, and I didn't do what you expected me to do with it, but at least I didn't lose it. That's, That's really what he's trying to say here. But the Lord didn't say, well, okay, thanks. No, his Lord answered in verse 26 and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed, Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. And here is Christ's uh, summary. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Every Christian has spiritual gifts that God wants to empower them to use. But too many Christians say, well, I'm just not confident in my abilities. Well, Lord, I didn't want to bungle it up. I didn't want to be embarrassed or I didn't want it to go you know awkward or any of that kind of stuff and so well I just I'm not going to use that talent I'm keeping it safe Lord I'm going to keep this talent you know kind of hidden here whatever that talent may be I'm not going to use it in church I'm not going to use it to bless and edify the body of Christ I'm not going to do any of those things and then we're going to stand before Christ shocked that he's mad we didn't use the talents he gave us and in fact, I think there are, there are some Christians, I can think of a few instances where people would say, I lost the talent that I had because I refused to use it for Christ. So if you're saved, you have a spiritual gift or gifts. And it's so often, it's so tempting to think of, of well, you know, I'm not, near as, as gifted as so-and-so. I mean, they can do just about anything in the church, and they can uh, uh, teach and preach and sing and play piano and play other instruments, and they can just do all this other stuff. So my little talent is really not that important compared to theirs. And yet, Christ says, whether you have five talents or two talents, as long as you're using them for the purpose Uh, for which he gave them to you, then the answer at the end will be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The second truth is, spiritual gifts are as manifold as God's many graces. Now there are generally considered to be five different lists given in the New Testament of spiritual gifts. The lists are all different, no one gift is on every one of those lists, and no list encompasses every gift mentioned on all of the lists. The various gifts spoken in the New Testament uh, that are specifically pointed out as being spiritual gifts they range from preaching and teaching to leadership, uh, hospitality, and of course, at, at their time, healing and tongues. Uh, uh, even Paul would even talk about in 1 Corinthians 7 how that marriage and celibacy both can be gifts that God can empower. And I think what we can gather from the testimony of scripture is that there is no set list of spiritual gifts. Probably many of us have seen, uh, even in, you know, Sunday school classes before or things like that, somebody would have uh, come up with this list and here's all the various spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible and and, you know, I've seen them before where they'll have this questionnaire to help you determine your spiritual gifts. And, and I think those are, by and large, pretty good that, you know, it, we need to work to determine. And we, we need to put some effort into what God, uh, what abilities God has given us. But ultimately, I think our spiritual gifts uh, have primarily to do with what we simply give over to God to let the Spirit empower well, I don't really have the spiritual gift of giving, so I don't need to tithe, give to missions. And, and I think to a certain extent we could say that there are people who really have the gift of giving, uh, who, who have, God has blessed them in such a way that they recognize that they have uh, extra income or, or extra money from different sources or whatever, who'd say, I just believe that God would have me to give this, And others would say, you know, I've never, ever gotten some windfall. I've never had any extra money. But God can still empower that giving. God still, I mean, of course, by the testimony of Scripture, we are expected, as followers of Christ, to give by way of tithe and missions and and other offerings of the church. And giving to Uh, Other offerings and giving to missions is on top of tithe. I mean, tithe really is the bare minimum that we should be giving. And honestly, I've never met someone, no matter what their financial condition, that would say, I regret tithing. Uh, Not when they're giving with the right attitude. Not when they've said, you know, I know that this is a sacrifice, but I know I must give it. And they would say, you know what, I may never be a millionaire, I may never be able to just pay for whatever I want to pay for, but I've found that God is faithful. That he can make that 90% go way farther than I could ever do it. There are spiritual gifts that we would all know and recognize, that such as preaching and teaching and things like that. But there's spiritual gifts that have to do with maybe you're the kind of person that just notices where other people are at. It's easy for most of us to kind of go through life uh, dealing with our own things, our own problems, jobs, and all that kind of stuff. But there are some people who just kind of have more of a spiritual gift, a a spiritual bent towards empathy, to recognize, you know, I, I need to check on someone. I need to to check with so-and-so. I need to maybe just take some extra time to pray for them. That's a spiritual gift. Well, I can't, you know, get up there and sing. I have a terrible voice. Okay, so what else has God given you the ability to do? Well, I can't get out there and lead and, and, you know, get other people to follow me. That's fine. What else has God empowered you to do? And the last, uh, not question, the last truth I want to bring out from this is that every Christian is expected by God to use his spiritual gifts. And this is where we get to the title of our message this evening. You have been saved to serve. And just like the unfaithful servant You are not being a good steward of the grace of God if you won't use the abilities He has given you for the edification of His body and for His glory. Look there in verse 11. He says, uh, I'm sorry, In the end of verse 10, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, then into verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That beginning of verse 11 there, if any man speak, that would have to do with kind of really any activity taking place in front of the church, uh, in a leadership role or a teaching role or preaching, that kind of thing. He says, let him speak as the oracles of God. And not as in this, I'm speaking and so you'd better listen to me because my words are practically God-breathed here. That's how important I am. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that those who are doing the preaching and the teaching and the leading and those kinds of things need to understand the seriousness of the situation. Uh, They need to take it seriously. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Let all things be done decently and in order that all that takes place in this assembly must be taken seriously. If any man minister, he goes on to say, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Any ministry, any act of service you do, needs to be done according to the ability that God has given you to do it. That means you should serve to the best of your ability. Half-hearted is not enough. God expects to get glory from our service. In fact, I think we could say this is directly tied to our worship and praise of our Creator. In other words, if you won't use your God-given abilities to glorify Him, that affects your worship. Bowing down before God is meaningless to Him if you're not acting it out in your life. That's only lip service, really. I'm making a big show of I'm here every week and I come to the altar every service and and all of that kind of stuff and yet I'm doing nothing to edify this body through the gifts that God has given me. God's not receiving your worship if you're not serving. He says in Revelation to the church of Laodicea that he'd rather spew them out of his mouth than accept their lukewarm worship. I think our churches would be vastly different if everybody just said, you know what, I, it doesn't matter how seemingly small a gift that I might have, I'm simply going to use it to honor and glorify God. Uh, Pastor talked about this not too long ago. How about the whole body is fitly joined together, and there's there is a difference between a hand and a foot, and there's a difference between a nose and a pinky, and there's differences in the parts of the body, and yet when one part of the bo- body suffers, the whole body suffers, and yet when uh, one part is not operating properly, it throws the rest out of whack. And if you won't use those abilities to God's glory and to this body's edification, then don't don't expect for God to receive your worship, to hear your prayers. Do you want to be submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you want Him to accept your worship? Do you want to glorify Him with your life? Then you need to determine to use what He has given you for the edification of this body and for His glory. Well, you know, I'll I'll never be up there doing, you know, stuff in front of people. And, and you know, those of us, I would tell you that 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 I've kind of come to the conclusion over the years that you know I, I have more of a, a teaching style uh, when I preach, and I, I think I'm pretty good at teaching, and so I need to use that as God gives me opportunities to teach. And it's not always easy. And in fact, I had to come to the realization, and any, any of, anyone who's going to be up here preaching or teaching or that kind of thing just has to come to the realization that you're going to look dumb from time to time. And you're going to say something that's awkward or whatever the case may be. But that's not about me. It's simply God saying, I've given you this gift, this ability, now use it. And I would also tell you that no one has ever said, wow, the way he, the way he teaches and preaches, oh, I, just, I could just listen to him all day about me. And that's okay. I am not a, one of these guys who's going to sell preaching CDs and people all over the uh, world are going to listen in online and, and just, oh, man, he's one of my favorite preachers. That's never going to happen with me. And that's okay. I just simply need to be available to be used for what God has for me at that time. So I think every member of this church needs to look at where can I be involved? Uh, what can I get, get in and help out with or whatever, whatever God has given me the ability to do? Now, that doesn't mean that, okay, we all need to go back there after the church and talk to Brother Eric, and and everybody needs to sign up to help in a Sunday school class, and everybody needs to sign up to come up to the choir on Sunday, and everybody needs to say, hey, I'm going to help out on a bus. No, because God hasn't given everyone every gift. But where can you help out? Uh, Where are you getting involved? Well, I'll be here Sunday morning, but don't expect anything else well, then you're not using the gifts that God has given you. Well, I'll be here probably most every service, but don't expect me to come to anything else. Don't expect me to stay for fellowships. Don't expect me to show up for outreach or, or, or all the other things that are going on. Well, then you're not using the gifts God has given you. Well, I'll be here and I'll give, I'll give what I'm supposed to with my tithe and missions, or, and even when there's other special offerings, I'll give to those. But don't even, don't even think about anything else. Do you really think those are the only gifts that God has given you? Church family, we need to just simply say, Holy Spirit, use me and lead me. Maybe God is telling you tonight, you need to step out of your comfort zone. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what? Maybe you should talk to so-and-so and just check on them. You've, you've noticed that they're going through something. Maybe you should just check on them. Maybe you should just let them know you're praying for them. Uh, maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you, you know, you're really not giving like you could or like you should. Uh, maybe the Holy, Holy Spirit's saying, you know, you're really not showing up to church as often as you you really could. I know there's always an excuse, but God has given us the ability to serve Him through His power, not through our own. You've been saved to serve. So I would challenge each of you this week to start praying about where else God would have you to get involved in this church. Put some boots to your worship and seek God that he would empower you to serve him with the gifts that he most assuredly has given you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.